Welcome to another episode of the Success is My Religion podcast, the podcast where we study success like a religion. I'm your host, Michael Taylor, also known as the Success Engineer, the creator of the Work Hard Philosophy for Individual Achievement, and the founder of the Work Hard Movement. I hope you enjoy this episode. we are on here is uh because of the success of my religion podcast you know i started this podcast and i just talk on my podcast alone i was like man i need to reach out to some people and uh get some other perspectives and i've been trying to keep on with my um my podcast and just speaking my my truth and stuff but um i didn't have like a real purpose and i finally like it popped in my head. I was like, I'm going to study success from the African-American perspective because that's what I see. And that's what I experience in this world. And I was like, I know a lot of people that are my age and are going through similar experiences and they have their own experiences. So, and they're professionals. (laughs) And I was like, I might as well reach out to them. So, um, and that's what I'm here to do is just, I know we chit chat and talk our, you know, you like my arch nemesis on Facebook <laughs> when I post some controversial things, but it's all good. I love it because it, it helps me grow and helps me think things a little bit through. So mm-hmm. I welcome you to the Success is My Religion podcast, and I thank you for being on here, and hopefully we can uh, do some more. But uh, so we know each other, So just to let the audience know. We know each other through a mutual friend. I went to school with um, um, one of your. Did, did he grow? Did you grow up together? Like yeah. y'all went to the same. Yeah, Mike Loveless. Yeah, we went to we known each, we went to school together from sixth grade until freshman year of college. Oh, uh, okay. See, yeah. Oh, you went to? Did you go to Missouri Valley or did he go to another school? I went to Missouri Valley and I transferred to Mizzou after that. Got you. So we know each other. I came the year after. Um, you left. So I came in 2003. You probably left in 2001 or 2002. Yeah, that. so it was spring 2003. I left and you came in the fall. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we know each other through Mike Love uh, and yeah, so I went to college and grad school with, with Mike Love and you guys grew up together and went to grade school and college together. So what did you do after high school? Like, tell me that process, because like I, I work in a high school now and like I talk to a lot of people of color or students of color. And they're either picking college or not college and going straight to work. So I want to kind of get the perspective from you and then go into kind of like what your um, degrees are in or and all that okay well i guess i didn't say my name at all i was thinking i was like did i say my name <laughs> but my name is andre <laughs> i was like i'm terrible at introducing myself i'll talk for an hour first then it figured like oh yeah i never said my name uh but my name is andre so i'm from st louis missouri uh so the first part of your question is kind of like uh you know high school that transitioned to college so for me like where i grew up 
community-wise, there was an expectation like that you're going to go to college. Like it was expected to the point where it very much became a standard of what is it that you do next. Um, it was the same way at my high school as well. So I went to public school my whole life. Um, and the public school I went to, the Parkway School District, is uh, a very, uh, it's a, a strong high school, or it's, it's a strong educational system uh, in the mm -hmm. St. Louis County area. And then um, within like that, there's a lot of private schools. And so I know for my parents, they're like, we could have sent you to a private school, but like the public schools were just as good. So why spend that money when it's like your, the quality of education is like, you're still going to get a solid education no matter what, you know? Right. For some people, because, go ahead. Uh, because I work with, uh, so the school that I work at mm -hmm. is the number one school in Kansas, but it's uh, majority minority high school. So okay. I I look at it and before I even went there, and this was my first year. So before I even went there, I was like, man, this is, there's an expectation to go to, go to college right mm -hmm. is that a end-all be-all is what i'm sorry what i question so do you think that's an end-all be-all for uh high school students of color do you uh, think they could go another route in terms of like not going to college yeah i, I would say yes i think for like because like for where I was at, it was like, if you don't go to college, you're going to do something like either you're going to join the military or you're going to uh, get like a trade that you can actually like do and make a living. It's not, I'm just not going to do nothing. It's like, you need to have a plan by the time you're ready mm -hmm. to graduate. And it's okay to change. Like if you're not going to go to a community college and then get uh, like from there, kind of like go to like maybe a, a trade school or a trade program, but like you're going to do something and have it. Like a lot of people I know uh, from high school that didn't go to college, quite a few of them, like there's a couple of them who have like their own construction um, companies because they went to it. They were like, after I graduate, I'm going to a trade school. Some people went into the military. And so there it was, you need to be planning for what it is that you're going to do after your, uh, after, when you turn 18 and, and you graduate high school. Um, mm -hmm. Just my particular like neighborhood, um, and uh, school system, it was very much college, college, college. Not that they were telling you had to do that. It was kind of like most people's parents went to college or most of the students who graduated, I think at least 60% went to uh, went to college, if not more. And I think that might have, if it was 60%, I think like, like the majority of people went to, after high school, went to a four-year college. Uh, mm -hmm. And then from there, it was like a two year. And then from there, it was like, all right, you going to a trade school. But like most people didn't just go and start working and try to figure it out from there. It was like, you're going to go do something. Right. If you change it on the way, that's fine. But it's like, you know what it is you're going to do by the time you graduate or within a couple of mm -hmm. months, like I'm, a, I'm doing this process. And so that helped me because, you know, my parents were always like kind of raised with the idea of like, oh, you could be a doctor or lawyer type thing. Uh, you know, I was a kid, so I was like, oh, I can kind of, you know, be young. Thing you do, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to be president. It was like, All right, right. I need, do I have presidential grades? It's like, that's another story. But it was like <laughs> that encouragement of like, whatever I want to do, as long as I try, I might be able to do it. Um, and I'll talk more about that later. But like, so it was like, uh, 
it was just this thing of like, hey, like I can do this thing if I want, you know, and between that and athletics, that's really what got me to college because like I didn't, uh, I am not a first generational, first generation college student on my mom's side, at least. Uh-huh. Um, uh, with that, I am a first generation to go to school away for four years and work. Like I was one of the few people in my family uh, of like even my cousins that have college degrees who went away from home for four years, got a college degree and then came back. Like most of my cousins that went to college, they worked and went to college at the same time. They're like, they live pretty close to home or at home. Uh, I got and, you. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you took, did the traditional way. Right. You and did, so You did it the traditional way. And, and with that, I didn't have as much I couldn't, I, I didn't have anybody to go to and ask, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? It was kind of like, I was always working. And then I did, I took these steps and kind of was able to just figure out the process. Like, I didn't have anyone to really say, you do this, to this, hold and your this. Hand. Yeah. Um, you know, and that gets into like, uh, so it's kind of like that vicarious learning of like hearing people talk about, they ask like, yo, like, have you looked into the, like, which dorm are you going to do this and that? Like, Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm gonna go to college and live there. I'll figure out the rest of that <laughs> when I get there. It was like, right. you know, so how do I plan accordingly? Um, and like, and then, I, that, that, that's kind of along the lines. So what I teach is reverse engineering. So every time you you're talking, you saying, I had a, I had a goal, like, I'm going to go to college and live there. And then you figured it out. So then you made steps to figure out what you wanted. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I think that, um, a lot of like especially people of color we need to get to like the goal orientation instead of because we get influenced by society and the status quo and that's why i asked you about the different like college and not going to college because mm-hmm. kids graduating now are in a living in a society where they don't necessarily have to go to college if they can if they can learn and be uh be proficient and and master a craft they don't have to necessarily go the the traditional route that we went because it's just it's just a different time with the internet and how you can the gig economy and do do different things like that i I would agree i think what i because what i tend to tell people is that you have to have some type of skill or ability and be willing at some point to take a risk and invest in that. It might work out, it might not. You, you don't know what can happen if you try to do it. What you can do is make sure that it doesn't happen because if you don't try it all, it won't happen. That's the, that's the power that we have as people. Whatever it is that I want to do, I can make certain I don't do it or if I have that opportunity that I sabotage it and I, and I, I ruin it. Like, right. which is messed up. Right. It's like, so the only control I really for certain have is to ruin things. And it's like, yep, human beings, like one of our, our, our abilities to destroy is one of our, like, like that's, we have so much power to destroy as human beings. Um, and like, we talk, you like, this is something that's been talked about, like a different research and stuff and like history of like how destructive human beings can be. Like if you need, if, a, if aliens need somebody to destroy something, it's like, let's go to Earth, get some humans, because we know that they can tear stuff up, for better or worse. <laughs> I, got a, I got a theory on aliens, too. <laughs> but yeah, I want to come that. here. It's like, you see what they do? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, everybody... So I watch Ancient Aliens, and I don't 
I don't necessarily like I'm neutral. Like that's why I say a lot of the stuff on on social media is because I just think neutrally. Like I don't have a I do have a conclusion in mind, but I ask the question that is opposite of the status quo so that I kind of get people thinking outside of the box, right? Right. So right. If, if if aliens really do exist, you know, and but they see the destruction that we're doing to society and they're not going to come back but because in the ancient world like if they were coming and giving the ancient world um all of these tools and things to to progress society uh they were in harmony so they mm-hmm. were welcoming that but now we're in a society where hey, if you got something that can benefit me to make some money and to be ahead of the game I'm going to take it from you <laughs> and uh, then I'm going to go and colonize your, your, your world. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's the unfortunate part of like society to, it's like, we have, we do have the ability, like where we're pressed against the wall to create, like we can create so many solutions. And it's like, I think it's sad that how it like with the whole thing with like, whether it's um uh, the environment and like people wanting to do more, take care of it and how resistant some people can be because they want to protect their monetary interest. And it's like, how much more monetary value could you have if we use our full ability to every time there's a problem, it's like, okay, there's a problem. How about I hire you to figure out a solution so that I'm still able to produce what I'm producing to the level I'm at, or if not better, at a way lower impact on the environment and society like it can be both but then Mm -hmm. because we're stifling our development is like somebody could come up with something that cleans air um like a lot of the particles out of the air and how could that be helpful for we have this pandemic because people are having difficulty breathing and whatnot Mm -hmm. so how do we get them in a hospital where it's like yeah we can scrub and clean the air so people aren't getting sick in the hospitals protecting the uh, the nurses and workers. the doctors and the mm-hmm. other workers there. And then not only that, but now it can make an oxygen rich environment. So that way people don't have to be on a ventilator uh, uh, at all. And because, they can just be in a building. Right. That, that has clean air. Right. And that has a higher level of oxygen so that even though they're having a hard time breathing, they're getting more oxygen into their body with way less effort because it's like what 2% of the air that we actually breathe is like the air we breathe is actually two percent oxygen and a whole bunch of other gases that aren't harmful so far. Um, and then it's like okay, well we we have them in a room and it's twenty percent. So even they sit, it's like they're going to stay oxygenated properly, uh, where you you're not going to have any damage to your brain or to your uh, your body. And it's like, but people want to argue versus saying, hey, here's the issue, how we fix it. Right, it's the solutions, and and that's all. Like that's all I'm about is solutions. But I think, like, I know that everybody has different set of circumstances and their path, their journey of success or their success journey is not a straight path. And that's what I'm trying to get at in this podcast. And and with everything that I do, I'm like, you're going to have to figure it out at some point in time to be successful. You're going to have to figure out the solutions to your issues, your problems and stuff. So uh, go ahead and kind of talk about like the obstacles that you you you've been through or talk about um what you do now and um 
kind of the obstacles of that you faced over the years and getting to this point from like college and grad school up until now. So uh, high school, I went, of course, to Coolidge, as I like to call it, Van Wilder. So hopefully people know that movie. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't seen it, it's a classic. Uh, Went to Missouri Valley. Wasn't very, I wasn't happy there. Um, I went from being, so I wasn't happy there. I wasn't content and I became kind of unhappy. I felt kind of stifled. So I ended up- Stifled how? uh, Just in terms of like, ideals and creativity and like ex- like ex- I love to learn and mm-hmm. exploring and there was something I felt at least for my particular field uh, uh, or like area site which was psychology like mm-hmm. that wasn't I don't know it was something where that wasn't valued the same way that I would have hoped for um and then the other part, like socially, like I felt very isolated there because it was such a small town and small school. I mean, mm-hmm. my it was my high school was bigger than Missouri Valley. In Missouri Valley, uh, I mean, like my high school isn't a big high school, and so for my my high school, like was like maybe eleven to twelve hundred students, which was the size of Mobile. Uh, mm-hmm. And then of course at winter semester, so many people leave and don't come back. Um, right. So then it drops down even more. And so I just felt like it was, I'm slow to warm up to people. So it was difficult, I think, to make a lot of genuine connections in some ways uh, mm-hmm. with as many people as what I typically do. Cause like, you know, I'm slow to warm up, but like when I click with people, like it's usually like a, like a, a very strong foundation. I just felt like that was kind of hard to establish in a lot of ways um, at mobile. Like the people I did kick it with, I'm still like cool with like uh, Jason Thornton, uh, uh, Corey Newsom with there before he transferred to Mizzou. Like mm-hmm. I'm real close, like the people I am close with, I'm very close with them. Similar like friends from high school, but it just, it took a little bit more energy and effort than what I wanted to kind of establish some of those relationships. Um, uh, and the and thing is, is like most of them, like like Joe, uh, like uh, we call him Crusher, uh, if you see him, you understand why he's a big dude, unnecessarily big. And right. like, I click with him and he came into mobile. I think when you did, I had left, but like we became friends, like when he was getting ready to graduate from mobile and we just right. got real close. And, uh, you know, Travis Johnson, I got close with him more. So Cause y'all went on them spring breaks. That's what happened. No, I didn't. I didn't yeah. First time I went on spring break was my, was, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, after I went to Mizzou and I went to the Disney World with mom because she went for work. Uh, <laughs> That's the only time I've been spring break in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and Mike Love didn't go to like the, the like spring break in there because I know. Oh, that was Larry. That was Larry. Yeah, Larry Williams. Larry's because he's from Florida, so he could go more easily. So got you. All yeah. right, but for me, so for me, it was like like most. I didn't the people that I was real close with. I came in to Mobile with them because it was me. Mike Loveless and Jermaine Jones, and so it was like I was going to kick it with like we were, we were we were already cool. We were going to be cool, uh, but it was like everybody else. And so the people I ended up being close with was after leaving, or it was through like something like like through someone else. I knew like Mike. I'm like you know Mike real well. I know Mike gets on everybody, and 
if he so he gets along with everybody in general and still if he vouches for a person i know mike has mm-hmm. good uh judgment when it comes to people so then it's a little bit character I'll, judgment yeah and i'll i'll i i i do too and uh i just mike's a little bit more extroverted than i am and so mm-hmm. when, i'm like all right mike vouch for him then i'll be cool with him and then if something happened then it's like that's on them because I, I know mike has uh a good judge of character so it was like I ended up getting close to like Travis after uh, Travis and Joe. I think it was right around the, around the time that they graduated from Mobile, and that's when we got real cool. And like I go out to see Trav like at least once a year in LA uh, mm-hmm. since he moved out there. Uh, you know I kick with Joe all the time. When we talk, and we it's kind of like how we're talking now. We'll sit and do this for like hours talking about right. like it could be nothing. We'll fight like brothers, and it's like no matter how contentious it gets, it's going to be like, all right, I still mess with you. Like, don't do that again because I want right. to beat you up. You know, right. it's like, you know, go tell your mom and I'm still going to beat you up because she ain't my mom. But it's like, we, we we have certain relationships where it's like, they could, if I tell them not to do something, they'll respect me and not do it. If, if I'm doing the most, they'll let me know. And it's always from a place of like, I'll tell you this because I care about you. If other people say it, that's fine, but they need to say it in a certain way. Because what I'm not going to do is let anybody disrespect you. Because then, even if you out of pocket, I'm gonna check them, and then afterwards, I'm gonna check you for being out of pocket. Right. And so, you know, so I, I building just, that, those relationships was it, that was the obstacle, um, one of the obstacles that you faced and <laughs> made you leave Missouri Valley. Yeah, and you transferred to to Mizzou from there. And I think for psychology, it was a better fit just because they have like, a, you know, for some of the bigger classes, like you might have a TA uh, or a grad student teaching the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a lower introductory level, maybe. Uh, if it, yeah, for some of the lower introductory classes, but it's like, they have to learn that some of those folks already have their masters or they have to get their chops learning to teach. And so it's like, I'm also helping them learn how to teach as well. So I didn't really mind that. But like mm-hmm. the big thing was like I was always a person who always asked questions, make little like I would I would make jokes, but I would do it in a form of like asking like a question seriously. And yeah. my professors typically didn't mind because like like it'd be class of three hundred people, and like people laugh, it keeps them kind of engaged and whatnot. And my professors know I'm actually listening to them to ask like kind of almost like a silly question, but it's like that silly question was actually based out of what I'm talking about, and so they're curious and like they didn't that wasn't really stifled in my experience there for the most like with the vast majority of my teachers like they usually if they saw me they would say something or and a lot mm-hmm. of the time it's like i appreciate how engaged you are there and sometimes if it was too much they'd be like yo like i, I appreciate you being engaged turn it down a little bit or you know like right uh, you know because i don't want us to get too sidetracked and they're like it wasn't it was it was still valued in some way at least from my end so no, and that not. that experience that um that openness and willingness to to see is if i'm hearing you right just from the different schools they appreciated the questions that that your inquisitive are like your inquisitive spirits because like tupac said even the genius ask questions like if you don't ask questions you're not going to get to the answer so I will be asking questions. I still ask questions all the time. And I'm, I'm like, and the thing that like with experts and when you get um, more and more information and learn enough, like you get to a point where you understand that 
the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you still have to ask those questions. You still have to dig a little deeper. And it seems like you were getting that when you went to Missouri or uh, Mizzou. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the, the idea, like there's no such thing as a stupid question. Like that's, I would say, of course, 90% true. I would think because mm-hmm. the question may not be stupid. It might be how it was asked, but if a person's not understanding, they have to ask maybe a rudimentary question. So then they can ask the actual question that they have or, or learn how to formulate it. And or get people, to the understanding that they that they need. <laughs> you, yeah. you might you might have to ask a stupid question to make a connection to get you to understand it the way everybody else understands it. Right. And then from there also, I think what the, the person answering the question, because some I've seen people and like get very like resistant and whatnot, whether it's me towards someone else, um, especially when I would coach and when I had to kind of look I I tell a lot of coaches that I tell a lot of coaches and people that teach this to your, to the point you just made, everybody learns different. And so also with that, everybody also communicates differently. How we receive communication, how I receive communication might be different than how you receive the same exact thing that is said. Mm -hmm. So if a person has a question, it may not be that they weren't listening. They're not able to process the information, understand it, in that in the way that they need and so you have to know how to communicate for different people in a room if you say go down the hall turn left walk three steps turn right 90 percent of people will understand that you might have 10 percent who don't and they're going to have to ask you like i need you to tell me a different way then you have to say turn north go north go south some people don't know north and south like right that. right i ain't that i ain't that north and south person like give me some landmarks <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it, it, it comes down to this of people if it's like are you going to penalize somebody because people communicate differently mm-hmm. and then that comes in, uh into play with success too like because there's so white people don't have a lot of contact with people of color so when they come in contact with us it may be a a a communication error or you know it just might be a lack of communication or something that is holding us back because we don't understand each other uh communication miss yes yeah that's what it is i was like whatever and you can look at families when this happens when people talk you'll see a missing communication where it was like somebody says something and then but somebody heard something different and then they react and like why are you getting so mad it's like you said this is like that's literally not what i said and it was like mm-hmm. oh okay but then it, they react and it's like you'll see it at workplaces um you, you you can see just within a family of like if if you have siblings they could call you something out your name and you're not going to react to it the same way as if somebody at work Else, did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, you flipping tables over and stuff now. And it's like, oh, chill. It's like, now the same exact thing was said. How you receive it is different because the communication is different. People can say certain things that can interact with you in certain ways. And that happens uh, cross-culturally as well. Like you can say something to a person, you know, a man can say something to a woman a certain way where it's reacted to most people like, bro, you were out of pocket. That woman mm-hmm. can say the same exact thing to a man and it's looked at 
fundamentally different or a man mm-hmm. can say to another man a woman to another woman the same thing happens racially ethnically it's like um there's differences in communication and people need to be mindful of that of not just what it like what we say but how we say it and how it's received like those are important things as well as even body language mm-hmm. and so what do you do now so the, you are in sports psychology so after Mizzou, uh, I got my uh, bachelor's in psych there, minor in social. I went to uh, Southern Illinois Carbondale and got a master's of education in kinesiology focused in sports psychology. And then I was like, economy had crashed at that time, but I knew I wanted to get my doctor. I was like, I want to coach college football, but like also coaches get hired and fired a lot. I'm trying to like worried about like, being like having that financial security so i was like if i'm gonna do my doctorate go ahead and do it now and get it out mm-hmm. the way so uh, and then i realized like at siu i realized how much mizzou prepared me for grad school that i would i i i'll come back to this in a second so i went to South illinois and then i went to uh california to go uh to john King university for my doctorate and uh, clinical psych that I'm still working on. I got get, to get my dissertation done, but I've completed all my coursework. I did mm-hmm. an internship last year at the University of Texas, El Paso, because for psychology, it's similar to med school where you have to do a internship for a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Pre-doc to grad, like med school, you graduate, you go to residency. Mm-hmm. For psychology, you do a one-year uh, internship slash residency. And then if your dissertation is done, you graduate after that, if you complete your internship, if you don't, then you have to do what you got to do to figure that part out, do a different one. Um, and then from there, you do what's called a postdoc, which is kind of like an extension of residency, but like in a different capacity. Um, you can do, yeah, you do a postdoc uh, residency or fellowship. Uh, typically it's one year. And that's where for psychologists, that's where they specialize like in that year that's mm-hmm. where they go into environment to specialize like so because i have been in my dissertation i'm doing what's called a post intern um so i can get it done and luckily it's state of missouri like all my hours will count once i graduate towards uh post residency and i'm right now focused on the postdoc is for uh to be a general cl- uh clinician uh so like mm-hmm. i have like the general skills kind of i can work with families i can work with old people young people like i'm developing general clinician skills um gotcha. uh i may do like a more formal one in uh neuropsych uh because i want to work with like learning disabilities adhd you know people that have uh brain injuries uh, especially mm-hmm. athletes that have concussions because they work hand in hand together uh or you know like with athletes like you get a concussion that's going to affect you a lot uh, especially if you're a college athlete because there's a study part that you have to right. do as well so, um, with, with sports psychology, if you get a doctor in sports psychology, you can do like performance enhancement, like, you know, mindfulness to be more focused in a game, but you can't handle mm-hmm. that clinical piece of it. Um, you can't even call yourself a psychologist unless you, to call yourself a psychologist, you have to have a license, uh, and complete a program that allows you to sit for licensure. And so then also, what's, what's your, what's your ultimate goal again? So my ultimate goal is to ideally be a sports psychologist at, if not for uh, professional teams or league, 
um, at least for an elite, uh, uh, like a power five conference. Um, Cause I want to work with elite College. athletes and elite. yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, pros of course will be a lot nicer uh, to work with. It's a little bit, there's a little, there's, fewer other factors you have to kind of roll with compared to college. But like, if you're working with a uh, division one athletes, like, especially for like, uh, like women's programs, like division one female athletes are the equivalent of professional al- athletes in terms of caliber of their abilities. And so mm-hmm. I want to work with that level, um, maybe Olympics as well. Um, if I have that opportunity. Um, but so it's kind of like, I want to do sports psych, uh, maybe some neuropsych, like do some incorporate neuropsych into that or do neuropsych on the side or at some point later down the road. And then between it's kind of between those two, like, and just navigate it um, as I, like, I'll have the flexibility to navigate with the, it. With the, the opportunities that, that comes along in your process. So right. I want to, I want to point out that too. So you have a goal and you have multiple goals that are options and you're working towards like positioning yourselves and and yourself in whatever your the opportunities lead you, and that's what I I try to get to a lot of people. I'm like, in this in success, you gotta have that ultimate goal. You have to understand like at least your next step. So if you have if if a, a student graduates high school now and they like I'm gonna go to college, that's my goal. Okay we want to position ourselves for the next step, right? We may not know what that next step is until we get to our senior year, but we want to ultimately go in the direction of what we are um, intrigued, what intrigues us or what interests us, right? Mm-hmm. So what interests you are these multiple things and you just go ahead and positioning you for the opportunities because this is what I say too when that opportunity comes are you going to be ready and what you're telling me is you're going to be ready for that opportunity when that opportunity comes and along the way you're getting experience and valuable experience that is going towards your ultimate goal and ultimately you're going to be able to live the life that you want because every step that you're taking you're putting in the work necessary exactly because yeah because it's like Will I have the opportunity to do it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the market is going to look like. At least I have the capability to do the task to some degree, and I can learn from there. Like I've met mm-hmm. whatever the requirements are at the bare minimum. That's not going to be a reason for a person to say, "Oh yeah, well we're not even going to look at his application." Like, right? We're gonna, right. It's like he doesn't have this. Throw it out they'll look at it and say, you know what? Okay, I see things. looks like they have the background that we want. I just like this person's application or this person. I like uh, what they bring to the table in terms of who they are as a being. uh, I like that more. And so it's okay. It's like, it's not, I didn't have something. Somebody else has had something more of what I had. And I can roll with that. Right. And what, what, so you say you can roll with that. What what wouldn't you be able to roll with? So <laughs> so kind of because I had a mm-hmm. I had a different experience. So when I got out with my master's degree, it was like no jobs was being out was out there during at two thousand nine the Great Recession. You you felt it too. Yeah, that impact. And I was just like, man, I got. So I was a student. I was an athlete. I was involved in a that a four year organization to. Um, to 
to uh, certify nonprofit professionals. I was a resident assistant. I went on, got my uh, a graduate assistant position as a uh, admissions counselor for two years. I did everything in that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and when I got out, I was like, I got my master's degree. I got all these years of experience. Like, I'm like I'm a leader on campus. Like, I got out, and it was like crickets. <laughs> yeah. And then for the next ten years. I'm applying for jobs that like an academic advisor job. I'm like, I could do that in my sleep because I navigate the whole process. Um, Like I worked in admissions. Like I know every part of the process to getting in college and then going through college so I can help somebody out, but I wasn't able to get those jobs. Mm -hmm. So what, like I, I was qualified, but it just, the opportunities wasn't there. So I had to make do what I had and move throughout my journey by focusing on a a specific goal throughout the past 10 years. And like I said, it, it was a struggle. So um, like, I feel you because I was the same way. I was like, I'm going to do all of these different things while I'm in school, while I'm going so that I, nobody can say he's not qualified. You got to take a second look because I can't even fit all the stuff that I did on on a on a resume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to take a second look. So I I was like, you know, mentally, I don't know where I was. I was just like, man, I don't know what else I can do. Like there was nothing else I could do. I was like throwing my hands up. So kind of speak to like what wouldn't you stand for? Because you was like, I can I can deal with that because ultimately there's somebody on the other end giving you that opportunity. I think for me, what I can't, I can't roll with is one, at least for me is that I don't try. And so that, because it's like, if I don't try, then that's on me. And more importantly, mm-hmm. that says something about me potentially to another person, let alone myself. And I don't want somebody to, to, to have that interpretation off of a false premise, let alone have an interpretation about myself because I was too scared to try. Um, so mm. that's one thing. And so it's like, I know I meet the, like, it's like, there's a validation of no. I was like, you know what? I may not be the, somebody could be more qualified than me that is not the same as me not being qualified. Yeah. And yeah. so how do I become more qualified to have that opportunity to, to do whatever it is, or at least try to do it. Cause it's like, I can learn and I can, with some of, some of the things, maybe I don't have a background in, but my background may show that I have the ability to learn to do those things. If someone's mm-hmm. willing to have the, if like, if they're in a place where it's like, we like this person and I'm down to teach them. Cool. I understand there's parts of, uh, uh, there's areas of life where a person is not in the space to teach them. It's like, we need somebody to come and be able to do this day one. Mm-hmm right without any right. support okay cool like i can deal with that and so i think because like for it was the same exact thing for me it's like i was 26 with a master's degree i was more educated at 26 than the vast majority of people who go to college mm-hmm. at that time and then even in terms of uh the black community it was like at that point with my age and having an advanced degree i was in one part like one percent of the or no i, I think yeah i think i was in one percent of the population yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, it's eleven percent total 
throughout the whole population, but like even when you get to the the black part, like that's an even smaller percent of the population. Right, and so like within the black community, it was it maybe it wasn't one percent, but like when you looked at my age, it was like I was in the one percent because of that because I had my master's way before the average person in the United States of any community mm-hmm. typically gets it, and so mm-hmm. then it's like, well, I want to be in that one percent period. So and I was like, I know I want to get my doctorate, so why not be join that one percent? So I was like, I'll do that. And so it was, it's kind of like, here I am and I'm working at Home Depot because there are no jobs <laughs> available. None, and I, right? on top of that, I didn't necessarily have a skill that was translatable to everyday corporate America. Like, I don't know how to do code. Like, um, right. what other things could I learn to do? at maybe certain jobs and have the opportunity to do it and not as like, I could probably do those things, but a lot of those places are being furloughed or closing down. And so I was like, you know what? I like psych. I like sports psych. If I do a doctorate in clinical psych, I can work in a lot more settings and be in positions that are recession uh, resistant, if not recession proof. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's where I was kind of like, you gave yourself, you, you put in the work to give yourself more options, right? more options and more security because it's like if i would have a doctorate in sports psych specifically unless i'm tenured at a university but even then it's like if things get furloughed then i'm at risk so i was like if i do clinical psych okay maybe i don't uh i could in some instances i could teach uh even if i don't want to teach i could go get another job that is going to be like there's a need for like no one like when I'm all done and I get licensed, no one else can do my job unless they have a advanced degree and a license. And then even there's mm-hmm. scopes of being a psychologist, because like there's a person can be a therapist. Psychologists have a certain scope of practice that nobody else can do that you have to hire them to do it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like with the testing and all that stuff. Um, and so I was like, well, I want to be able to do that as well because I'm interested in that. And that's something else that adds like, hey, only this person can do this or with their doctor programs, like we know that they're coming with a lot more education and different aspects of psychology as well as training that like, okay, yeah, you can hire this person who do the same job as me, but like with my education, I have more area, like I have more information that I've learned, been taught, have implemented than what they do just because I do, my degree is a longer, more intense program. And then from there, and let me go ahead. Let, let me ask you this: Will you be able to write your own checks? If like so, if I want to do private it, practice, what, I could. You could okay, because yeah. because that's the entrepreneurship is where I think that uh, African Americans as a culture need to look into as a another form of income. <laughs> whatever that may look like because i'm looking at people now and and if you lost your job right now in the pandemic and stuff and you only had that one source of income you need to be looking at at two and i don't know what that looks like but we got to figure it out because uh, like you want to be recession proof and not a lot of us are recession proof like just a year ago i wasn't recession proof mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you would have if this would have happened last year it, it, at this time I would have been up a creek because I was working as a 
group fitness instructor and Uber driver. Mm-hmm. Those are my main streams of income. So I would have been like, man, I don't know what I'm about to do. I'm about to lose everything. But now I got, since I kept working and kept looking at different options and, and studying what I wanted to do and where I'd be best best fit so that I can work a, a regular job and impact the people that I want with getting a paycheck from it <laughs> and have my side hustle so that I can um, – live decently i was like this is where it is so i I finally was able to get a job after three and a half years of doing group fitness and and uber driving because i wasn't going to not just i wasn't going to just work at best buy Mm -hmm. so i was like i'm either going to work with students and kids in, in the collegiate or the high school level and i just I waited. <laughs> I worked and worked and waited. But I think that experience and that struggle uh, made me a little bit stronger as far as when I got the opportunity, like ain't nobody taking that away from me. And now um, with all that work, now I got three streams of income. So, and then now I'm working to have online training courses, start a life coaching business so that I can help people in a better fashion and write my own check. What do you think about that? So <laughs> I, I, you got, you got the, the degrees and stuff are about to get um, uh, your uh, license and things. Like, what do you think about writing your own checks? Like being, I, I look, are you learning that? Are people uh, pushing you towards that? Are you, do you have mentors? Well, I think for me, like, that's one of the reasons, like, I, I was glad I did my, my, I decided to pursue a doctorate because, like, for my program, that was something that was discussed. Like, if you're going to do this, here are things to consider as you go, like, ethically, like, like, they were saying, like, most people that work private practice go bankrupt because they spend too much of their income on trying to get unnecessary things. Like, they got to get, you don't have to have the nicest couch in the world for your mm-hmm. people to be able to sit on. You don't have to have this big old waiting room with all this stuff and spend all this money on things because if something happens, your overhead's going to, and like people don't take that into account. And so like right. we talk about some of those things, like you need to have like these type of forms, you need to have this and that, where when like I'm in some like different uh, groups on like Facebook or whatnot, and people will ask these questions and I'm like, they're, I'm, they're like, well, how do, do you work private practice? And I'm like, no, I'm like, well, how do you know this? And I'm like, well, it was part of my program. Like they put that into it because they know that this is a opportunity, like the highest, the highest paid route for um, a psychologist typically is going to be uh, private practice. And they talk about mm-hmm. here are the pros of private practice. Here are the cons of it. Here are the pros of working for somewhere else, like a hospital university. Here are the cons. And like, you know, if you work for um, a hospital or university, like if you get sued, they got to sue like the hospital or whatnot. And they have lawyers to protect you and everything where you don't have to spend the money. You could go private practice and make bank. And somebody can file the most frivolous lawsuit ever that has no merit. And shut down your whole stuff, huh? Right, because it's not that you can get it thrown out, but the fact that you have to go hire a lawyer or have a lawyer on retainer, that adds up. You know, if you Mm -hmm. you hire a lawyer, they go hit you with that, you know, a lawyer might charge you $150 for for just responding to you by email. And so when they send you those billable hours, what's 150 times 100? I'm bad at math, but that's a lot. 
But like it seems like with you, like going through this process and once you get into that 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 setting that you want, mm-hmm. you're gonna learn enough that you're gonna be able to specialize and it sound for me, I'm just think I I'm always future thinking in the future of opportunities or whatever, but it sounds like that like that concussion area, you know that's gonna be like money <laughs> well that that's straight like it's gonna be people coming in all the time for that yeah i mean I, for i guess for me like to the to the your real questions like it's looking at it in terms of like how do i invest in myself uh am mm-hmm. i investing more in myself if i go if it's someone if is a person investing more in themselves if they go and start a business so if you are well why not if you don't want to that's fine but like people think that they can't do it and it's not because they can't they're just afraid that it's not going to work out and it's like okay the vast majority of what like restaurants close so should people not open up restaurants it's like maybe your restaurant opens and it's okay it's only open for 10 years well it failed it's like no you ran a successful restaurant for a good nine years and it went out of business why did it go out of business was the recession was it something else like you know the only if it failed right off the ground, then yeah, that's a different thing than why well, I ran this for twenty years and then we end up having to close because mm. you know the the market changed. Like that's not a reflection of your your business necessarily to a degree. Like you ran to the point as long as you could, and then things changed, and now like you couldn't like there was some way you couldn't adapt, or the market is just there wasn't an interest in that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell people all the time, like, you got to use where you are, like, every, every opportunity that you get, like, you're there for a reason. If you don't, if you don't appreciate or are grateful in some kind of way, not, not, not necessarily a, uh, what is that called? Like, you're not, so you got to be grateful, but you have to also, like, not settle at the same time. You can you can be grateful and still not settle for where you're at, but then you have to give appreciation to the the opportunity that is in front of you. So if you maximize that opportunity, like I maximize almost every opportunity that I had up into like for the past ten years after my master's degree, and I was like, man, I'm I'm gonna do everything that I can and give all that I got, no matter what how much I get paid, because ultimately that's going to add to my skills right moving forward because like i worked at avila university for three and a half years and like i was a a residence hall director i was a um advisor for the student activities group i was a a a first year seminar teacher Uh, at that time i was i started i just started teaching group fitness classes so I was getting, I was maximizing my time and I was, I was getting it. You know what I mean? I was learning. I may not have been the best, but in that process, I was learning key things that was going to help me in my next step. You see what I'm saying? And I think that's where a lot of us need to focus. Like if you don't work at wherever you're going to work, if you work at Walmart right now, like you just, do all you can don't be missing work like um because there's different habits that you have to learn on your way on your success journey that's going to help you in your ultimate goal 
So if you skip over those steps or those habits that you need to create in that process, man, you're going to have to come back and retrace steps. So like your, your whole, everything that you're doing, you're not going to have to go back and retrace steps. Right. <laughs> like you're going to keep, keep going up. And, and that's what we, we need is that constant trajectory of, I may not have it right now, or I may not be able to do the things I, I need. I can't, I may not be able to do the things that I want to do right now, but I can if I keep on this trajectory, on this path. And I think that's a, a I think that's where we're, like just society needs to go because like I talk to people all the time about like like don't be dependent, be independent in our thinking. So if 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 this is the opportunity that you see that's gonna best benefit you for the future yes that's independent in your thinking but just to rely on somebody to help you out like i'm not <laughs> like i'm not just gonna rely on somebody i need i need to be playing a part in that and moving forward in what i want to do as well as giving to whoever's giving me providing the opportunity because as you know we <laughs> we we got out during the time where it wasn't a lot of opportunities given. So we had to, you had to work at that, uh, that, uh, what is that? Hobby Lobby uh, or Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> you had to work at that Home Depot and you had to, you had to do it with a, a sense that this is an opportunity. I'm going I'm to make use of this opportunity. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be professional. And that's going to help you later on, right? Did it? Yeah. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Well, I mean, it, it helped me in that moment, which is what I needed. Like I needed to have a job so I could be doing something and not be dependent on my parents. Like if I want to go do something socially where it's like, my, I get $20, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> at 26 years old, <laughs> right. 26. I want to go out on a date. And it's like, I got to have money to go out on a date at the bare, even if she, we go Dutch, like I could pay for myself, right. but I can't pay for myself if I don't have any money. So it's like, you know, it's like, how do I, I'm not gaining any independence by not doing anything and just applying to jobs, waiting. It's like, well, why not do both? Like I could work and have mm-hmm. some type of independence. And then as I do those other parts. And so it's like, it's like two things can be true. It's like, I can, I need to, I need to plan for the future. And I need to also focus on what I can do now as those future things come about. Yeah. And that's what success is. So, uh, what, what would your definition of success as we end this podcast episode? Um, like, what would you tell someone that is affected by the pandemic? And because we're about to go through a recession, just like we, we did when we graduated. Um, what would you, what advice would you give? I, I, th- I think there's no such thing as success if you don't have a goal of what it is that you want to achieve. So figure out what your goal is. Look at what are your options to get there. Follow that. And if you achieve that goal, then you've been successful by definition. So mm-hmm. if you're if you change your mind and don't want to do that goal anymore, that's fine. That doesn't mean that you necessarily quit or gave up. It's, hey, I realized, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. And you create a new plan of action. You made a new goal and decide to pursue that. And so if you don't have a goal of knowing what it is that you want to succeed or to want to be successful at, let alone how to do it, uh, then you can't like you can't 
be successful and there's no there's nothing to define success around because it's like well i want to be successful mm-hmm. what does that mean you know mm-hmm. it's like i want to go to college okay you can go to college and it's like i went to college for a day it's like you went to college it's like i want to graduate <laughs> from college or i want to learn this mm-hmm. okay set a goal what's your route for that and if you accomplish it then if you a goal is accomplished therefore you're successful now mm-hmm. we could take it other routes of like financial or whatnot it's the same thing. If you can't define it, how can you be successful at it? Yep. And that's reverse engineering, y'all. I'm just telling y'all right now. Like we need to get that in our minds because if, if we're struggling, every every problem has a solution and every solution has a goal. And if you can do the, if you can find a goal, you can be you can be successful and you can solve your problems. I guarantee you that. Hey man, I appreciate you um, coming on here. We're gonna have to do this again because uh, I think this is it, man. You, you gave us some valuable information going through um, your your history and what you did. So I appreciate you. You're welcome, man. Like I said, I'm down to do it again. And if you're also looking for other people or want to add people in, like, you know, I know a whole bunch of uh, 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 current uh, doctoral students that. You know, they look at like I know one person. She focuses on like human development um, and looks at like you know different things with race and racial skin tone. There's other people who are you know they're getting whether they're getting a doctorate in like music or or human development or psychology um, and who have worked in business and whatnot. Like that, I think we'll be down to definitely do um, a podcast and kind of their perspective and experience on things. For sure, for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to link up after this, and I'll send you a message. I appreciate it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Down to do it again. All right. All right. I'll hit you up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. Go ahead and hit that five stars and leave me a review. And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Work Hard Movement.